Welcome to the clinical podcast series brought to you by the American Academy of Optometry Foundation. Today's episode is entitled Association of Predominantly Peripheral Lesions on Ultra-Wide Field Imaging and the Risk of Diabetic Retinopathy Worsening Over Time. I'd like to thank our topical editor and host today, Dr. Andrew Rickson, our topical expert, Dr. Jim Williamson. And now it's my pleasure to begin today's podcast. Good evening. My name is Drew Rickson. I'm the topical editor for this AAOF podcast. Uh, our subject matter is going to be glaucoma and retinal care. I'm also going to be the guest host tonight. And joining us tonight is our content expert, Jim Williamson. Uh, and he's going to be covering first association of predominantly peripheral lesions on ultra wide field imaging and the risk of diabetic retinopathy worsening over time. So Jim, let's just jump right to it. What made you choose this article? Like what's the relevance to you? Well, I think most of us, you know, when we dilate our patients and we get out our 90Ds or 78s, we do a cursory look. We'll, we'll look at the nerve, we'll follow the, the arcades, we'll look at the macula, but we sort of fail to think about the peripheral retina and diabetes and assessing that for risk for progression. You know, the Arley House Symposium, you know, 50 years ago talked about the retinal periphery as far as, you know, being able to evaluate to assess for risk. So I think that that's something that, uh, that brought me to, to this article. Great, great. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's a paradigm shift because I think when I was training, it was really more of a posterior pole centric sort of thing. So uh, what's the relevance to, to us in practice? What are the findings uh, of this overall study here and just kind of kind of break it down for us, please. Yeah, so Dr. Cavallarano, who's one of our own uh, about five or six years ago, uh, I think he was second author on this study. He talked about these, and I think they coined the term predominantly peripheral lesions, where the, the presence of these lesions increase your risk for not only uh, progressing in diabetic retinopathy, but also progressing toward neovascularization. So along those same lines, this AA study, looked at ultra wide field photographs of about 400 uh, participants that were 18 years of older. They were either type one or type two, no center involved DME. And over that four year period, they did ultra wide field color photographs. But along with that, they also did an ultra wide field forcing angiography at the first year and the fourth year. And so their primary uh, endpoint was, you know, do these predominantly peripheral regions uh, give us a good look at risk for progression? And they looked at these, these lesions as being either microaneurysms, uh, intraretinal hemorrhages, venous beating, uh, Irma, or neovascularization. Great. And so, you know, a lot of us have incorporated ultra wide field imaging into our practices, especially with our diabetics. Um, so essentially what you're saying is that they found kind of biomarkers that would be available without having to do angiography, because a lot of us are not doing that, that helped kind of predict. Is, is that what, what the findings were? Yeah, so it's interesting. They had a masked and unmasked uh, part of the study where they took the ETDRS grid because they used the DRSS or the Diabetic Retinopathy Severity Scale. They used the DRSS to grade these photographs. And what they did is they had the reading centers masked to be only be able to see the ETDRS areas. Mm -hmm. And they did an unmasked grading as well, where they took away that mask and then they looked at these predominantly peripheral lesions. And, you know, it was interesting. They did not find an association between color photographs and risk for progression, 
but they did find an association. It was about a two times risk for ultra wide field fluorescein angiography and risk for progression, which was which was interesting. Okay, so I mean that does kind of limit our applicability a lot of times in practice. I guess that was a limit with the difference between the color uh, and the fluorescein. Were there any other limitations that you think would prevent us from employing this in practice that, that you found? I think just talking about fluorescein uh, angiograms, and I know you do those, I do those as well. Uh, it's interesting to see how many times we will look at an area on the retina and look, hey, this is looks like NVE. Let's go ahead and do a fluorescein angiogram and make sure. And then all of a sudden there's four or five areas of, of NVE that light up. So I think I think that the fluorescein was interesting only because I think it does capture those areas. Then they even showed it was capturing MAs maybe three to five times more than what a color photograph would do. But I think for me, the big thing was, is that they, in that study, they were just looking at the color photograph. So, you know, those of us that are involved, you as well, that are involved with uh, ultra wide field, when we're looking at the photographs, yeah, we'll look at color, but on the lines of a fluorescent angiogram where you have that high contrast, a lot of us will use the filters in our ultra wide field machines to be able to apply, say the, you know, red free filter where we're looking at the retina the inner retina where it highlights those diabetic changes a lot better to me than it does when you're trying to find those subtle microaneurysms or subtle diabetic retinopathy changes in an ultra wide field photograph. So I think that that was one of the things in the study I think could have been a fault was they just did the stock colored photograph and that was it. They didn't allow the, the examiners to manipulate the images at all, whether it be multispectral or just in contrast. Right. Tremendous. A really, really good summary of that article. And I think it's definitely something that, you know, our fellow um, fellows, ironically enough, was actually really, really benefit from from looking through. So, yeah, really appreciate your time on, on that, Jim, and your expertise. So everybody go and check that article out. The, the link will be below. Thanks. Thank you. Okay. So and a special thanks to CooperVision for their educational grant to make it all happen. Thank you.